Greetings, listeners. Welcome back to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. I had quite a long break over Christmas, New Year's, and I've been looking forward to starting the podcast up again for 2022. I thought February is the perfect time to kick off the next season. And so here I am, February the 5th, it's Saturday, and we are in the year 2022. I just wanted to say, I love meeting people with different opinions, perspectives, beliefs, passions. It's the whole reason why I decided to do a podcast. And I hope to connect with many other people all over the world. It's so important for me to reach out and spread awareness of of what and who is out there, especially here in Western Australia, where we're not only isolated from other countries, we're also isolated from our own states in our country. And to be fair, I also think we are also isolated from one another. And if you have been to WA, if you spent some time here with Perth people, lovely people, I just think that we are also very segregated. We're very family orientated, which is great but we tend to stick to our own families and we can be very clingy with our own crowd and not really look to what else is out there and what other people are out there. So then when we do meet someone that seems a little uh, unique, which everybody is unique in their own way, but in some perspectives, some people think that when someone's more unique than the normal people, that it's a little bit weird or something's up with that person. I am the complete opposite. I love it. I love that there are people out there that don't think the same. Really important to me, as long as you're not hurting anyone in any way, I don't have a problem with you at all. The more eccentric you are, the stronger the belief, the more knowledgeable you are about something and something new and different. I, I'm so intrigued by you. And so I'm feeling jubilant after speaking with my guest today. Her name is Corby Metlide. And we will be talking about past lives. We're going to be learning about ego. And we're also going to be learning about her journey to how she became who she is. And what I love about Corby I mean every I love everything about her but what really stood out for me is how genuine she is how honest upfront she says it how it is and I think that's really important there's a lot of people that are wish-washy or they like to cover up their their true personality and she doesn't do that she is a hundred percent legit in my world and I hope you enjoy our conversation So I'm absolutely thrilled to have Corby Metlide joining me today. She's connecting with me all the way from the other side of the world in New York. Not only is she a three-time cancer survivor, psychic tarot card reader, intuitive counselor, medium, uh, a past life specialist, ordained minister, the list goes on. It's brilliant. I love it. You're fantastic. Uh, Corby is also an author. She wrote the book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road. You've got the magic. Who needs a genie? And welcome, Corby. It's a pleasure to have you. Great to be here. So thank you. Thank you for the other side of the world. I know. It's my all nice and warm now, aren't you? It's very hot here. Yeah. It's a little overcast today. 
<laughs> we're we're below zero Fahrenheit here, kiddo. So oh. you know, I I think of your warmth, and I'm like grabbing some for us. Yeah, I actually don't mind the cold. When it's cold here, I love it. So, but then it's really hot here. I don't know how hot America gets. Up here, not so terrible. We're not like Arizona. But, okay. Uh, yeah. And what's actually happening over in your part of the world at the moment? How's things going with everything? Well, it depends on whether you're asking my personal life or America in general. America uh, in general. Personal... <laughs> uh, or both. Crazy. Or both. <laughs> crazy. Um, America is crazy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I tell my friends, don't come. Don't come. Okay. I don't know if we're ever going to be back to a safe place. But that is because this particular soul always tends to come in when things are ending mm -hmm. so that we can be the person who holds up the candles and says, here, light the dark. Will America ever come back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it'll take years and I'll probably be dead by then. But I'm here because I'm here. Okay. We all plan it. Yeah, right. I'm just finding a lot of people are wanting to go to America because of some of the freedom that's uh but i guess maybe it's not as what it seems no um unfortunately um the way things are going um i mean just today uh, the republican national committee decided that the riot and mobs that wanted to kill our vice president on january 6th was a legitimate political statement wow now no, stay stay in your glorious country. <laughs> you may have spiders and snakes, but okay. Well, I thought we could start with your journey. Are you able to let my listeners know exactly how you came to your passion, your life? Who is Corby Metlide? Oh, sure. This is what I call the thirty-second <laughs> elevator speech, which tells you how often I talk about it. When I was nine, I had. Uh, a children's book I read called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And I thought, oh, there's magic in the world. I want to go find it. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school and I was working for a shop called Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it because in the early 70s, we were all hippies. We had our elephant bell bottoms and our fringe jackets and our decks. So for 20 years, I delighted in the stories that cards would tell. And I read for friends, but I always made sure that I would keep my ego to the side so I would be a clear channel for the information. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when uh, the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. So I did it part-time until 9-11 when I saw the towers burn and I said to my husband, I need to do the psychic work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you, go do it. So for one more year, I did the 70 hours a week in corporate world, worked the psychic evenings and weekends. In 2002, I shut the door on corporate. I've never looked back. Now I work six days a week. I read a thousand people a year, books, radio, and television. And I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. That's the key. Fantastic. All of that that happened to you, did, were you scared at all? I've, I just find that when sometimes when people find that they have some sort of connection to, to what you have, being psychic, intuitiveness, <coughs> that they tend to get a little freaked out by it. 
it was more like, it's about time. <laughs> when I say I knew it was out there and I wanted, I really did. So I you really embraced did. it. I, I was a little surprised that I could do talking to dead people with no training, but it was just there and enormous. Mm. So there wasn't any time to freak out. It's just, you have to do the deep dive. With everything that's happened in your life, was there anything that just triggered? I know you mentioned the, the two towers, uh, but was there anything previous to that with the, the cancer, surviving the cancer three times? Was that in any way an impact to becoming who you are today? And that yes all- and no, because the cancer happened while I was doing all of it. It didn't trigger. Okay. What it did is um, I got my first bout uh, in 1989 when I was acting in New York. Uh, second was skin cancer from the radiation I had. That was in 2000. And I got a second primary in 2004. Mm. And the doctor said, well, it's a primary. It takes the danger clock back to zero, but three strikes you're out. Mm-hmm. We're taking the rack, mm-hmm. we're taking the ovaries, and you're going from a Dolly Parton figure, which I had had basically since I was a young, you know, young teenager, to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks. Suck it up. Now, Mm. Um, I know that I came in here, part of my soul plan, which you will know about through reading Rob Schwartz's books, was that I had to get okay with being in a female body and value it. I am worth more than the body. Most of my lives are male. So I do my tough learning in female bodies. So since I wasn't learning it, spirit was basically saying, look, we need you down there to teach. So we're going to remove the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in 2004. It's 2022. I'm 67. I'm fine. If you look at me, you would have no idea any of this happened. And I like myself better because now I know who I am when you put the body aside. So in that sense, the cancers were great learning things. But you know, you said I'm a survivor. No, I'm not. And I'll tell you why. I never say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a survivor because I do a lot more than hold on by teeth and toenails. I am a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure. I avoided getting my toes stepped on and I got off the dance floor in one piece. It's a much more positive aspect. To it. Mm. Amazing. And a lot of people don't. They go through that. I, I feel like they spiral and keep going down and down and down. There are people that go through all of these experiences that are really traumatic. And then after all of that, they have some enlightenment experience where they might be psychic or, <laughs> you know, they come in, they become to, uh, I guess, get in touch with their inner wisdom. Is that part of it? Well, what it did is it gave me good things to teach with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when you live the examined life, which I do, what that means is you have this thing happening that you just don't want, but it's there. Mm-hmm. What can I learn from it is your first question. Mine, because I'm a teacher, is how can I teach with it? And then next, you know, one of the things a lot of women who have had cancer, that's their first identifier. Hi, my name is Sarah Jane. Oh, I had cancer. I'm a cancer survivor. And it could have happened 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the equivalent of my saying, hi, I'm Corby Mitleid. And in 1973, I was the Betty Crocker homemaker of tomorrow for New Jersey. Yeah, when <laughs> I was 18. Yeah. Not now. So I encourage people, yes, it happened to you. I'm not belittling it, but who are you now with all that learning and now that you've moved forward from it? Mm -hmm. That 
keeps you from getting stuck in your story. And out of everything that you do, do you have a favorite? What is the, what's the, your go-to? What is the one oh, that? <laughs> um, I, ha- I do a lot of things. Um, but when spirit is giving you your marching orders, it kind of rifles in your file cabinet to see what you got. So I was a professional actress in New York, theater major at Brown University, so I know characters. Words are my drug of choice. I'm a writer, so I can tell stories. And I've always adored history. In fact, I married a museum director. You put those things together, and that suits me perfectly for past life work. Whereas somebody else might see a vision and say, it's a long skirt, it's a big hat, so I know it's old fashioned. Mm -hmm. I could see the exact same thing and say, that's a hobble skirt, that's a picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather, and you're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. This is Berlin in 1911 or 12. Which one is better information? On the other hand, I can't use a pendulum because I have a slight benign tremor in one hand, so I can't trust what I get. And do not ask me to do spirit art because I cannot draw a stick figure with a sharp pencil and a lot of prayer. What's spirit art? I've never heard of that. Spirit art is when you sit in front of somebody and they say, oh, I see uh, your spirit guide and his name is Uh, Ralph and this is his picture and over your shoulder is your dead grandmother. That's spirit art. And there are some fabulous artists, especially at Lilydale, which is a spiritualist community here in New York. But me, nope. I'll tell you what that looks like. (laughs) I won't draw a picture. I don't know how I feel about the pendulum because I have one. And if I... I've done it with my friends as well. And if I start taking control of it, I can by just doing a yes mm-hmm. and a no. Mm-hmm. So you could, it could lie to you. If you could really, if you really, really wanted something. Anything. It could lie. You if your <laughs> ego is in the way. You know, um, when I do readings for myself, which is rare, but I occasionally will, I will know, especially if I ask a health question, because yeah, I'm a hypochondriac. If it shows doom, gloom, and destruction, it's me. Mm-hmm. That's when I talk to my dear friend, Stacy Wells, who's one of the rare intuitives I trust to read me, and she'll throw some cards in and she'll tell me what the truth is, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you got to keep your ego out of the way for doing How? this. How? <laughs> How? It's, it's, you learn, you learn. The way a ballerina learns to stand on point. Um, I know I do it when I channel, there is a chapter in Your Soul's Gift, the book with Robert Schwartz that I did, and it's on miscarriages and abortion and things like that. And I, of course, got my pre-publication copy and I read through it and I said, Rob, you got, this would not come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you like to hear the tape? And I said, no. What her soul wanted to tell her was not what I believe at all. Mm-hmm. but it flowed effortlessly. That means that Corby was up somewhere reading a magazine and her higher self was definitely channeling through me. That's how you know. And your past life regressions, doing that. Your, sorry, I just I wanted to go back nope. onto your- Retri- No, 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 no. <laughs> regression, it's retrieval. And it's really retrieval. important that people know the difference. Regression mm-hmm. must only be done by a certified past life specialist or- um, or hypnotherapist, because when you go up to the Akashic, if you see a traumatic event or a painful death, they can pull you back so you can see it, but not feel it. 
I do past life retrieval, which means you don't want to go to the Akashic, but you have a life challenge you want to look at. And I'm the one who goes up, grabs the stuff and says, here's the book, read chapter two. Right. So. How, with all of your past lives, is there a connection to all of them? I, I guess when I look at reincarnation, we are constantly learning something new each time and we're, we're becoming a better spirit. So mm -hmm. you had mentioned that your, most of your previous lives have been male. Is that accurate? 80, I'm saying? Yeah, 80, 20, I think. Yeah. And have they all had different occupations or? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Good Lord. Yes. Um, uh, World War One pilot, um, medical doctor in the American Civil War uh, from Pennsylvania. So it was Union side, um, night during the Wars of the Roses. But notice these are not necessarily famous people. No. This is what we need to learn. Okay. So when somebody comes to me and says, oh, I know I was Anne Boleyn because I can't wait for the next. <laughs> no, no. I am not your reader, darling. I'm not connecting. Here's the door. So... <laughs> And do you feel that you may have been a pilot back then? Is there certain traits or skills that you go on? Not a matter of may. I know I was. Okay. This is how people get stuff. Um, there's a place up here called the Old Rhinebeck Aerodrome, which is a flying museum. They have planes from the 1909 Blarios to 1940s Barnstorms. Mm -hmm. And in 1991, I went up there with a friend. I knew nothing about World War One didn't want to speak German, hated Germans, afraid of Nazis. But when we watched the air show, because the planes fly, mm -hmm. all of a sudden there were two German planes that put a soundless explosion in my head. One was the Fokker DR-1, which is the triplane that Snoopy goes after the Red Baron. And the other was an Albatross D5. Mm -hmm. Overnight, I needed to speak German. I had to know about the war. I would flip through books of the pilots. I'd say, that was a friend. That was an awful person. You were my best buddy. And it was seamless. And when I did a past life regression with mm -hmm. someone else, I saw him. Now you put a picture of this person in his late thirties next to me in my late thirties. People look at it and say, oh, was that your grandfather? You look so much like him. Um, I have traits he had. I use expressions that are not used in my family, but when I looked up a book of his letters to his fiance, same phrases. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that I was him. On the other hand, we don't always come in with the same traits. For instance, he was a violinist and an engineer and he was a pilot. Mm -hmm. um, I can't play any instruments. One and one is three on alternate Tuesdays. So get engineering. And I had vertigo. I couldn't get a license. There are certain things that our soul wants us to move on from. Mm -hmm. But the trait that he and I both have, um, we're the person that people will talk to and halfway through say, oh my God, I never tell anybody anything like this. And we just nod and say, go ahead. Mm -hmm. We are the priest confessor as well. So. You mentioned the Akashic Records. Mm -hmm. What is that for our, for, for our listeners? I think the I Akashic kind of know. Actually, I shouldn't say that. because We all think we kind <laughs> of know, and we're not going to know until we get up there. That's right. Um, 
<laughs> the Akashic Records, as far as I understand, is the record of everything we were, are, and will be. Remember, there is no time or space. Up there, everything is at once. Time is really a web, not a line. But our little pea brains can't <laughs> hold that and understand things. So when someone has a situation, I will go up and check the records. Um, example, a woman came to me and said, look, my kid is 29. He won't live more than a mile from me. He asks me about every single decision he's going to make. What is going on? And so I got very quiet and went up and I said, okay, I'm seeing 1944. So it's Utah Beach. He is a soldier on the beach. His leg is pretty mangled from, from uh, gunshot wounds. You're his commanding officer. You're dragging him over a sand dune so that you can get him out of the way. And you took some shrapnel too, but you saved his life and you both got out alive. She looked at me and she said, do you see my rank? I said, oh yeah, you were a sergeant. She goes, he's been calling me Sarge since he was three years old and we never knew why. Yeah. There's that. Um, second story to show you precision. There was a woman who was fascinated by the American Civil War and the Underground Railroad, which for people who don't know, that was a way of getting enslaved people from the South to freedom in the North. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous. But there were hundreds of people from the South up to Boston who were doing this. So she wanted to know why she was so fascinated. And I said, all right, I'm seeing a small whitewashed room, low ceiling. There are two gentlemen whose heads are bent over because that's the only way they're fitting in the room. You're kneeling by a little rickety bed, uh, looking at your hair and your clothing. This is 1862 or 63. You're in gray serge. There's black soutache along uh, your sleeves, the peplum and your skirt. In the bed is a very old, very wrinkled uh, black woman. And all of you are grieving because you had gotten her up from Mississippi from a plantation. She was almost to Boston, but she was dying and she wasn't gonna make it. And I opened my eyes and this woman has tears rolling down her face. And she says, I have had that dream for 20 years, 20 years and I never knew why. Wow. That's why you go for past lives when something is so meaningful, but it's puzzling that people need answers as to how it fits into their life now. They say you're drawn to particular things. So, for example, I tend to be drawn a lot to World War One, World War Two. Not that I am really articulate or knowledgeable about that time but mm -mm. there's just I will watch movies and it's not so much about the action and, and all of that it's more about what's happening with the people and their lives and I'm finding here in in WA I've got a lot of Ukrainian Polish and Croatian friends so it's just mm -hmm. it's just weird like it's not as if I go out to find these people it's just we all seem to be connected I'm I'm not Polish I'm half Filipino my mom's from Cebu my dad's Australian he's Irish uh, British so um sorry Irish Scottish and so I just kind of feel as if am I possibly reincarnated from <laughs> first thing I'm hearing is Anzac which I think was y'all in World War One but my sense is you went to war when your father didn't want you to you were young you were reckless and um yeah you died you died uh, in World War II, 
sorry, can I just ask, was it a glorious death? <laughs> There were no glorious deaths in World War One. Okay, it was mud and trenches. <laughs> Just um, wondering if I was a fighter or a fighter, you know. No, you were a sniper. No, my sense is you were a sniper, and you got cocky, and you looked <laughs> a little too far over the trench. Bullet right there. Wow. Um. So in World War Two, you were resistance. You were resistance. Hmm. So you weren't a soldier, but in places where the Germans were overrunning the countries, especially when they were looking for Jews, you were not a Jew, your friends were not Jews, but they hid them, mm -hmm. okay? So you decided, I think your soul said, didn't do so well working in the trenches, but yeah. in this next war, let's see what I can do to fight where it's not a rifle in my hand. Yeah, I'm very much against violence in that way. I've always also been a traveler as well. I've always been someone from a very young age when everybody else around me was, I'm getting married and having children. My, my, I've just always wanted to travel. That was all I ever wanted to do. So yeah, I don't know if maybe my past life, I don't know, was I a, an explorer? No, what it is, is I'm sensing your soul will not show up in the same place twice okay. okay you know let's say you've had 30 past lives it will find 30 different places to go canada bolivia <laughs> sri lanka russia yeah. you know it's just what kind of experiences can i have that's where the travel bug is from you mm, yes i get bored very quickly <laughs> and how do we know that someone is a, a true psychic or someone is pulling the wool over our eyes. I mean, I've been to quite a few tarot card readers when I was younger. And then there was an, mm -hmm. a time when I went, you know what, I don't believe in any of this. It's a pile of, you know, and then gone back mm -hmm. to it again to the point where I've even got my own cards and I, I like to do it from a, on, a, on occasion. It's called Sacred Heart. So it is in relation to the Akashic Records and there's not many in a deck so it's an oracle deck rather it's than an oracle cards. deck yes i guess tarot cards are, yes. wow <laughs> whoa these, two, these these down here are that's one deck that's my tarot illuminati the rest of them are all oracle decks and they each have a different reason to use ah. so now i love both and i teach a course actually called decadence which teaches people number one that they can read any Oracle deck the moment they pick it up if they just get out of their own way. And I also teach people that you can read with two or three decks at once. Relationships, I very often will do a tarot spread. And then on top of that, I will use my karma and relationship deck to give deeper meaning and nuance to what we're finding out on the tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Cards are great. They tell stories and people see the pictures and it's easier for them to understand. And so you're just going back on to that, uh, the question of how do we know someone is a fake? How do we, the yellow brick road, <laughs> which no, we will be talking about. <laughs> the reason that I wrote that book is precisely for that. You know, you go to an art museum and you love the oil paintings and you love the sculpture, but you don't want to get mucked up with a canvas or clay. Mm -hmm. There are 60 million books out there. This is how to do psychic development. But I didn't find one that said, 
this is what psychics can do. It's what they can't do. It's how you can stay safe. Questions you should ask, questions you shouldn't. And so I wrote that book. Mm -hmm. And what I tell people is there are, you know, a mnemonic PTA is Parent Teacher Association over here. So the mnemonic I give them is the word psychic. Mm -hmm. Professionalism, shared references, you are in charge, charges. Here, I can fix anything for a price. Those are all the ones you want to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Inappropriate actions and connections. Now, that's uh, you know an entire chapter in the book. But let's make it short. Let's say that you go to a spiritual expo and there are 200 booths and you want to get a reading and you don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to be a good puppy. The first thing you do is you do your walkies. You go in <laughs> and you just make the circuit and you look around. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to do anything, but just get a feel for what's there. Mm -hmm. Right there, there are going to be some people that you feel like, ew, and you just won't go near them. Then, like a good puppy, you have to get paper trained. Now, what does that mean? That means that if any psychic looks interesting at all, we will have flyers or rack cards and you grab these and you read them. Once you have three or four that maybe you wanna to go to, go see them. Mm -hmm. um, at least in the United States, most of us have what are called front people. We're reading at a table in the back and they're telling you what we do and they're taking payments and they're scheduling you. Mm -hmm. um, talk to the front person, yes, but remember we hire them to say we love them and they love us. My first front person was my husband's office manager Monday through Friday. Do you think she's gonna dismiss his museum di director on the weekends? Probably not. <laughs> um, look for our testimonial books. Those are comments from people that have had readings. Mm -hmm. and are we good are we kind do we have specialties children dogs dead people are we funny are we accurate would they come back but the last thing is and it's true for any time you're considering a psychic you check in at your heart level you're putting your hard-earned money on the table mm -hmm. if the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head they really care about what they're doing or they're going to give you good information don't go there no matter how cool the wiki will looks on the table <laughs> i'm serious and realize we're all going to have different bedside manners. Mm -hmm. There are some that I cheerfully call glurpy purple with angels. Hi, my name is Little Dancing <laughs> Raccoon, and today we'll talk to you spirit guides. I'm excited. And then there's me. Hi, I'm from New York. Here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your tool toolbox. Go rock and roll. Mm. Both of us are good readers. But some people gravitate toward little dancing what's her nose and some mm. people want to, want the clue break. And that's okay too. Some people want the quick fix. They don't they don't want to do the work. So they probably want to mm -hmm. take that advice from somebody else that's going to give them the air. They're cosmic but, muffins. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they will go from person to person to person to get the answer they want. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a chapter in here called When Read Doing a Reading Won't Help. And this is the chapter that other psychics are in hysterics about because we've all had it. And the favorite story I have is the one that says, does Bruce love me? No. <laughs> well, is he going to love me? Not the way you want. Well, if I do such and such, is he going to love me? No, he's not. Oh, well, is he going to call? No. Well, if he's not going to call soon, he's going to call later. And they keep doing this. I do, <laughs> hoping that the psychic will just give up and go, yes, yes. He loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. I thought so. Ew. Please don't do this. <laughs> this is crazy. 
And, and asking questions as well, that seems to be one of the big misconceptions when people see a, a psychic. You're asking too many questions, you should just know. If you sit in front of me like this, <laughs> that's like my trying to climb Mount Everest in sneakers, kids. There's no yeah, problem. You're shutting. Yeah, so when shutting you up. sit down with me, the first mm-hmm. thing I'm going to say to you is what is the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing today? Because I do a lot of stuff and I'm fast. But if I, if you're A to Z encyclopedia and I go A to Q and what you wanted to know was a T, you're going to go, oh, she's terrible. She didn't know anything. Mm. So you tell me. And if you go blank on me, I'll go Brooklyn on you. you go, <laughs> oh, right, your butt Because that everybody knows. So here's an example. If you wanted to know about your career, I would say, great, three possibilities. You want to stay where you are, change jobs or entrepreneur. The reason I ask for that is because each one of them has a multi-card spread that is nothing like the other one. So let's say you wanted to open up a vintage clothing store. Mm -hmm. It would not be flip a few cards, wait until October and fire the redhead. It would be a card for you, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. My job is to put a rocket pack on your back. If you just said, well, I want to know, is my business going to be successful? I would look at you and say, okay. And what if I said, no, you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge. That's the wrong question. Mm. You need to ask what empowers you. So, and yes, I'm sounding very fierce, but it is, I am so strong about making sure that my client is active in the reading with me Mm -hmm. because that's when the energy sparks so much that the information just blooms. Yeah. It really does. Um, It's the same thing for mediumship. If you just say, I don't know, get me anybody. That's vague. (laughs) Yes. I see a woman in a flower dress handing you a rose. It's your grandmother. Oh, please. I get their dog tags, Mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't really tell me anything. But for instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. Tells me nothing, but gets me right into the energy. And then I will give you enough stuff so that you know it's your person. Details. Mm -hmm. And then we talk to them. Examples. There was a woman who wanted to speak to her father-in-law. All of a sudden, I feel myself miming a pool cue. He taught her how to play pool. A woman wanted to speak to her grandfather. He salutes like this. Now, remember, we Americans, we salute palm down. Brits and Canadians, palms out. That's what my hand did. She had just graduated from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Academy two weeks before. And her grandfather was acknowledging it. And she hadn't told me that at all. Mm. That's when I know we're getting people. Has anyone <laughs> has anyone brought in a, a spirit that has been demonic? Ooh, um, negative. Remember, it's not the spirit who is demonic. Our okay. souls are fine. It's the personality. Okay. okay. Um, when I was first doing this work, when it just hit in 1994, because of my World War One and Two connections, um, I'm not even going to m- mention the name, but one of uh, Hitler's majors showed up in Atlanta, where I lived, and the I was in one of those big shirts. And the tail of it came straight up like this. And I heard a voice that says, now do you believe I can't get in? And I was choked. I got out of it. But then, wonderful story. 
very old friend. I've known him for 40 years. His name is Adam. He has this little sign on the astral that says, I'm a professional. I don't care. And he came from wherever he was living at that point, I forget, to Atlanta. He got his six foot ceremonial sword through the metal detector and it didn't tweak. I don't know how. And we managed to bottle this up. Okay. Now I've been doing this for so long that I've got guides and angels and big dudes and I know I'm safe. But that's why you don't mess around with this stuff until you learn how to ground center and shield, which I had not done at that point. Mm -hmm. Because that's how you stay safe. You know, I was going to ask that question as well. What precautions would you take? And does the person also need to take precautions other, other than, you know, the person that is giving them the reading? Do you have to protect yourself from any sort of negative energy? I know you had mentioned before it's about a legitimate psychic. No. Okay. But if you walk into one of these fakes and they go, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four. You have dogs. $50 every family member, 25 for doggy small these days. Um, you you want to walk out of there. <laughs> I walk did. Walk out of there, number one. <laughs> um, no, but this is why this book got written. I saw someone have to deal with that in Canada. Mm. She walked out of the booth across from me, crying hysterically. A bunch of us went over. The fake had said, if she didn't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church, I bless real good, only one dollar candle. Her entire family was going to die in a car accident in two weeks, and she bought it. She was fleeced for 400 bucks in 20 minutes. That's why I wrote this book, to keep you guys safe. safe. What advice would you give people that are developing their skills? Like we had mentioned ego before, but... For those people that just can't seem to put their ego aside, what, what advice can you give them? Number one, the 85% rule. We are, even the best of us, only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God, and he's not doing private readings this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you don't put your ego aside, you're not going to get the real information. Go back to the channeling I did for Robert Schwartz. If my ego had been involved, that wouldn't have come out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, a funnier story that I will do the PG version for your audience. This is why I will not do mediumship. You don't live. have to do a PG version as well. I don't. <laughs> no. right. um, it is WA, good little boys and good little girls. But <laughs> Okay. This was in upstate New York. There was a biracial same gender couple. The black partner had died and her white widow wanted to speak to her. Now, for those of you who can't see, there is this adorable little white face that grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey and has manners. What came rolling out of my mouth in flawless urban ebonics would have had me lynched anywhere. It should <laughs> not come out of a white face. If my ego had been in the way, I would have put it aside. But instead, what comes rolling out is, well, shit, if it ain't my white bitch, and I'm going, but the woman in front of me is laughing and nodding and tears are running down her face because that is how her partner, Isabel, walked into the house after every business trip. Mm -hmm. Now, that's an example of my ego could not be in the way or that would never have come out. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
You are the garden hose it comes through, my friends. It's not you. I took classes from John Holland, a very well-known medium. And he says, when you think it's you is when you lose the gift. Mm-hmm. We are tools for spirit. The hammer does not walk around on the deck and say, look at this back deck. Isn't it great? <laughs> look what I did. No. Someone held the hammer and whacked its head against the nail. It wasn't a hammer. So that's why the more your ego is involved, the faster you will lose your gift and the faster people will see that you're a fraud because you will no longer be able to give the clear messages. And you also believe that everybody has this gift, that they, that we all have this inner wisdom that we can tune into and use we're all wired like the same house plan. Yeah. We really are. It's our circuit breaker. Is it on or is it off? Some of us, all the information flows because we want it. Mm-hmm. Some of us, it, uh, you know, it's all locked and rusted shut because they think evil, evil, evil. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that have a short in their system. They think they'll never get anything, but they always know when their mother-in-law is calling on the phone before right. they graze. So yes, <laughs> everybody can do what I do. I'm not special. You can do what I do. I lost a reality show because of that, because they wanted me to say that I was special and I was the best in the world. And I said, that's a lie. That negates my whole life. And they said, okay, fine. And they went and found somebody else who would tell the lies. Do I regret it? Not for a minute. Oh, I respect you even more. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. Most people would jump at that opportunity. Yes. That's the ego. I would have lost the game. <laughs> and what's next for you? What's next? Oh, writing, 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 writing. Um, I have uh, been playing a great deal on something called medium.com. And no, it's not psychic medium. It is the idea of it's the medium of writing. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know what my writing is, if you I've written about soulmates and past lives and drive-by psychics and all of that, you go put Corby Mitleid in the search medium.com and that's where I am. I've got another book that I'm just starting to work on called Elder and Apprentice, which is how to be an elder in the 21st century when millennials and Gen Zs are going into a world that is nothing like ours. And, you know, I don't know if boomer is an expression that you use over there. It's Mm -hmm. very common here. Yeah. Okay. We do use that. Okay. The reason why boomers are not necessarily elders a lot of boomers think, well, why can't you do what I did? And we had the best music. We had the best. We had the best. But you're not going to be as good as we are no matter what. Well, you know what? As boomers, we were never afraid to go to school because we'd be shot. We didn't worry about drugs on every corner. In the United States, we didn't worry about our neighbor coming at us with a gun because they didn't like how we voted. Um, we never worried that the universe, the, the world might be uninhabitable before our lifetime is over. Mm-hmm. This is what millennials and Gen Zs have to work with. So being an elder, if you're a boomer, means you are willing to get off the center of the stage and bring them on. You look at what you have that is timeless knowledge. You offer it when asked. You don't insist. That's what an elder must be today if we're going to support the ones who are coming up. It's not about us anymore. It's hard for boomers to know that, 
but it's not about us. It sounds very familiar to the Indigenous Aboriginals here with their elders. Not completely the same, but just that same It, it, it feels very First Nation, but mm -hmm. because I am so respectful of First Nations, I don't say I'm like. Yes. If they want to say I'm like, well, then that's a gift and a privilege, but I will never say I'm like. Respect, Corby. Respect. <laughs> so anything else for you? That's it for now. And um, not on the road, obviously. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not, not in the radio? land of as well. six you... days a week, a thousand people a year. Yes. On, online? This is my goal. Trust online me. Online as well? A client in Bolivia <laughs> is not going to want to come to Copacabana, New York with the sheep and the cows. So, yes. And remember, um, online readings are every bit as, as valid as face-to-face. If I could only read you in person, how do you know I'm not reading your body language? Mm -hmm. And how else can people find you? Oh, they can't avoid me. Esther, are you kidding? <laughs> um, my website, CorbyMitlide.com, mm -hmm. YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Medium, all Corby Mitlide. If you want to find me on Facebook, you go to Fire Through Spirit because that's the page where I do free readings once a month on Sunday. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for connecting with me today. Greatly appreciate it. And I hope that everything goes well for you over in America. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that concludes the episode, the first episode of the podcast series. And I hope you learned something from it. I'm also going to leave the links for Corby Metlide, ways that you can visit her website, check her out on Instagram, Facebook. So go ahead, click on the links. Highly recommend you have a look yourself and, and see what she's all about. I hope you made it right down to the end. If you have, kudos to you. Thank you very much for listening in. And just remember, open your heart, open your mind, live life and be free. Thanks for tuning in.